name is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 723, Why Listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. As always, remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we have two good friends of ours, sweetie. Yep. Uh, we have Mr. Sean Emerson and Mr. Chris Lozier. Sweetie, you do your best to explain who these two clowns are. In like a uh, personal relationship or let's in like work per- relationship? Let's do personal and then I'll go professional. Well, um, I'll start with Chris Lozier. Chris uh, Lozier is the husband of my best friend, Manisha. That's the personal part. So that's where I met him. I don't know, how many years ago? 25 years ago? 25. 25 yeah. years ago. Something like that. And um, since then is obviously one of my best friends as well. Um, but he is a... Um, Time to go into all of his work history. No, it's going to be boring. Okay, that's what I mean. Like, where do you want me to go? No, just how okay. do you know these Okay, guys? and then Sean is our good friend for many reasons. Um, because we, I used to take Sean's yoga class. And I talked about Sean a lot because I really liked his yoga class. And then I feel like, Sean, you asked... Now, Todd and I disagree on this, but I thought you asked me about my Zen parenting shirt once. I think I asked him. Oh, damn. Yeah. yeah. And I don't you even know win. if you asked me. I think you l- noticed it. So then you Googled it. And then you listened to some podcasts. Yeah. And then I got an email from you. I, I did. I binged like 10 or 11. I'm like, oh, these guys are pretty good. Yeah, not I think bad. I'm going to reach out to them. L- little did you know, X amount of years later, you'd be, this is the second time you've been on with us? This is. Yeah. yeah. First time was with Frank talking yeah. about masculinity. Oh, that's yeah. right. I knew I knew he had been here before. because, And Chris has been here before, too, because he and Manisha came in and talked about their daughter, May because she had Kawasaki uh, mm-hmm. disease oh, that's right. when she was young. That was a really early podcast. Yeah, way back when. Um, but Sean, going back Probably to was you, before Sean, before yeah. Sean, <laughs> BS before Sean. Um, <laughs> but the thing about Sean was that I used to joke that Todd's all of Todd's best friends came from me mm-hmm. because I Frank and I did yoga teacher training together. Mm-hmm. I took Sean's class. Chris is you know Manisha's husband, so I'd always be like, Sweetie, you get all your friends. I'm from forever me. in debt yeah. to you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right, great. Um, so the professional side is yes. that uh, Sean and Chris. Um, after a while, they were having these conversations on the phone, whatever, and you guys both had a curiosity about, I don't know, just understanding other people. You decided to do a podcast together called If You've Come This Far, and you've been doing it for, I think, a few years now? Yeah. You actually called it on the professional side. You I know, just called right. it professional. Yes. Right. right. Hardly. Uh, yeah, 2021. A little over two years, I think. Yeah. And you've interviewed thirty. You've done thirty-five interviews, and um, we might talk about some of the people you've interviewed because that's interesting. But what perpetuated my want one is to do some cross promotion, obviously. So if there's any Zen parenting listeners out there, and you want to, I, I, Sean and Chris do a really good job of getting their guests to kind of like disarm and and relax, and it's a much more, it's just a really casual discussion. And Kathy, you and I um, have done not two, we've done 700 podcasts. We've probably done what, 60 interviews? Um, and probably it's more than that. Maybe, who knows? <clears throat> and, um, you know, it seems like when I'm leading the interview, I'm always like asking them about their book or it's, and I like to like talk about some of their kind of like a Dax Shepard podcast where he like goes in all these different directions. Yeah, I like that too. You guys seem to go in all different directions aside from the expertise that the guy is on. Would you agree with that? I'm not sure that we do it by design as much as that's just how 
Sean and I became friends, really, is going in different directions. Right. Um, So, but the main reason why I wanted to have you guys on, Sean is the uh, president of the Board of Men Living, which is an organization that I co-founded that Chris is a member of. And he wrote a blog called, I don't know, maybe it was like, you remember what month this was in? I just sent, I sent it a text. I don't. It was a while ago. Probably March, maybe? I think yeah, it was March. winter time. Yeah. Todd, and real quick, can I get access to the sound effects so I can just bust out some sound effects? <laughs> you cannot. That's <laughs> no. up to me. Okay. What would you go with? <laughs> there you go. That's, that one's for you. There's so much power. I know. You <laughs> so have no much idea. Power. Feels like he had that one waiting <laughs> for you. He did. <laughs> I'll start talking about something. If it happens to be lyrics to a song, all yeah. of a sudden the song comes out over my head. That's right. That's true. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, no, you're fine. Um, so, um, so you wrote a. So Sean wrote a blog, and uh, what I can say about my friendship with Sean. Because we're in business together, we're trying to move the ball forward at Men Living. We disagree. Um, I, I think a lot would be an overstatement, but there's plenty of times where we both kind of um, believe what we believe. We try to look at it from the other's point of view, but there's times when there's just an impasse. I'm like, Sean, I think you're wrong. You think I'm wrong. Here we go. And this is one of those articles. Okay. okay? And I highlighted just a few things, and then I want you to add some color to it, Sean. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. Sean starts out just, there's this good, good, good newspaper that he subscribed to. It's an email. And um, the title of the the headline of a blog that you read was, For the first time in U.S. history, the top leaders of one party will include no white men. And then you go on to say, it's not an unusual headline for good, 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 who highlights and celebrates stories of social justice and human equality. I, too, celebrate these stories of cultural evolution. I advocate for peace and love every day and can appreciate the gravity of the moment. But when I read that headline, I didn't feel good, good, good. I felt frustration, sadness, and anger. True. Expound on that. True. Uh, I just felt like it was, It felt more like, and, I, and again, as I said, I understand the attitude of advancement, social advancement, but it felt like it was a celebration that there were no white men involved. Mm-hmm. Right. So rather than just celebrating the fact that now we had a very, you know, more diverse leadership team, yeah. it felt like, okay, all the white guys are out. Mm-hmm. Let's have a celebration about that. Right. And I just felt like that was the wrong energy. For me, it was the wrong energy. Right. And and I think a lot of it has to do is every day what we're doing with men living is we're, is, you know, we're trying to, yes, I, w- I would argue that um, we've done a lot of great work but potentially now, you know, the balance is going the other way. Mm. And so uh, given what we do every day with men living, I'm like, okay, it just felt awful. Mm-hmm. It just felt like a celebration of the wrong thing. Right. It was more, more weight on the fact there were no white guys involved. Right. And that's why I felt, you know, motivated to kind of write the piece. Well, and I think it was a, a, if, if, you're, if you're, the purpose of writing is to gain energy and, and to have people think about something, it certainly made me think. It made me pause. Now, most of it was through a lens of disagreement. <laughs> right. But before I do that, I want to give Kathy the mic to have her, because you and I both kind of read it. I think I read it first, and you're like, did you read Sean's thing? I'm like, I was in the middle of replying in a comment mm-hmm. that I was going to post back up on the blog. Well, I think what we ended up talking about, and I, maybe we've already talked about this, Sean. Um, and guys, just so you know, I tend to look at the screen because if we look at each other, then then when this is on YouTube, it looks mm. like we're looking all over the place. So it's not that I'm not trying to make eye contact with you. Um, 
I think that it was more about semantics. That's what kind of what I've, I felt like it came down to is that the truth is, like, I sometimes even debate Todd on, you know, like I think you just said, Sean, that sometimes we it feels like it's tilting the other way. And I, I debate that right. because I think there's a lot of media around things. And, you know, it just so happens this weekend, um, you know, Barbie came out and there's been a lot of focus on that. And so there's a lot of attention and conversation, but attention and conversation is not societal change. Mm -hmm. So like the experiences of women are really not that different. Not only that, but more of our rights are being taken away by not, not you three sitting here, but by white men. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's still this threat, even though there's, there's more conversation. So basically what I said to Todd was, I think it's not that Sean disagrees with what's in this article. It's, and you just said this for yourself, Sean, it's the way it's like, screw you now where it's, it's using the same oppressive energy mm -hmm. to, yeah. uh, to, to like say, well, you know, it's white men, forget about you, just us. Mm -hmm. And in, in that us is diversity, women, what, whatever it may be. And, and I think especially from the good, good, good newspaper, which, you know, tends to have. And again, it did not bother me. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not I don't have a problem with those semantics. Mm -hmm. But I was like, just, you know, I reread what you wrote. And I obviously just knowing you, I know you don't disagree with what the truth is about the world. Mm -hmm. It's more about let's not take that energy and then now um, be negative about all yeah. men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Chris? Anything? Because I got my take, but I mean, I thought about it. <clears throat> um, I wonder, Sean, if 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 uh, so, it wasn't the statistic that was disheartening; it was the framing of of the message. Is that right? Like, it, had the headline been for the first time in history, all the leaders of a political party are women and people of color? You would have read it totally reacted different. much differently. Yeah, totally different. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what it is Yeah, for me too. Yeah. So for me, um, I feel like so I, I got triggered when I read it originally. And it's because I am the father of three daughters. You're the father. Sean is the father of two daughters. Chris is the father of two daughters. And my experience in working with men is the minute um, many guys get challenged to think from a perspective other than their own, they get super sensitive. And the example I gave, I remember I was given a, a talk to a group of men, not in Men Living, it was at actually Mankind Project, and I said something to the effect of, you know, we're, we have to work on ourselves to better this world because if you turn on the news, it's not a bunch of women that are on the headline of the news, it's a bunch of white men making bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And I got significant immediate pushback in the midst of that talk. And I feel like, Sean, your um, reaction to that was in that, like, can't we, as can't I, as a man, create space to maybe it is a little bit like the pendulum is moving a little bit towards minorities and women. But I'm like, good God, I just can, can we like uh, be a little bit have have a thicker skin without getting upset so quickly. Well, I think I think part of my again b doing the work that we do every day, part of my reaction is understanding and Kathy brings up a good point about the media, understanding all the stats that are I mean every day there's now a new article about the state of men. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to college, not graduating high school, suicide, loneliness, I mean on and on and on. And 
it's sometimes I'm like, okay, is this just a media thing? What's going mm -hmm. on here? Mm -hmm. Because in the in the the next day there'll be the study that comes up from the CDC about young women, teenage mm -hmm. girls, uh, which is you know the depression and and suicidal ideation, the whole thing there too. So it it, it seems like it's almost like the whole thing is a shit show. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, it can't no matter where we turn. But I think for me, it's looking at those stats over and over and over again, and then the celebration of it. It's like okay, it's kind of piling on yeah if in fact all that data is true mm -hmm. and i don't know i mean i think there's enough out there that you know it, it that it is that it is true i think well, there is a crisis well just to kind of like I, I wrote some things down and um you know the stats show because you know anytime there's a new blog or new article or new interview about the state of manhood or the state of boyhood you hear one in seven men in america don't have a single friend mm -hmm. Men are three times more likely to overdose. Men are four times more likely to die by suicide. Okay, so that's the plight of men. According to the new CDC data, nearly three in five U.S. teenage girls felt persistently sad or hopeless in 2021, double that of boys, representing nearly a 60% increase at the highest level reported over the past decade. A Pew Research study found in 2019, teen girls in U.S. were three times more likely than boys uh, the same age to have depression. Um, so, and you know, the, even though Mike Domish doesn't like stats, like one in six women are going to be sexually assaulted on a college campus. And, um, so there's a problem on both sides, men and women. Yes. And, and we can talk stats, you know, all day long, but the truth is the experience that women have is so different than men. So that's kind of, stats are a thing. And and everything, you know, it's very nice, the work that Todd and I do together, because as much as I just focus on women and girls, I get all that information from Todd and his experiences in men living the, you know, obviously he's not sharing, you know, the actual people, but the the experience of men and their history mm -hmm. and how that shows up. And so I, I have, a, I feel like a, a, a full picture and just in my own experience as a therapist, obviously. The but that I always put out there is, you know, um, being a woman in the world is so different, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, so it's like, I have so much, um, you know, empathy and understanding for men's experiences. Um, and it, it's hard. It's just the amount, I, I think the thing that women always push back on um, is the amount of shifting and shape-shifting that women have to do in their everyday lives as far as okay, this isn't working, so I need to do this instead. Um, this isn't fair, but I need to accommodate this. Um, this is life-threatening, but if I say something, I could lose my job. This is a situation where I should be able to go here, but it's not safe for me. And and a lot of the onus is put on women. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there is, you know, when women go away to college, it is, you need to protect yourself. You need, I mean, we just heard a story yesterday. Todd just told me a story about a girl getting roofied. And, and again, I know all these stats. I work with these girls who this happens to, but it's like, and I, and I know you guys are doing it in men living, but where are the conversations with boys and men about what they need to change? Cause my whole life I've been told how to change and how to accommodate and how to show up differently. So then it's not really about this article, Sean, but then when, when it's like, well, you know, good women are 
you know, there's finally some things where there's a the, a shift, a change, and me, and there's like a men are like, yeah, but what about us? And my thing is, well, you guys can now shift and change, right? For you sure. know, that is the because we've been, you know, I even, you know, it's just funny things like I, when I first, you know, got a job, like we had to wear suits all the time to look like you guys, and I had to keep my voice down to sound like you guys. And I, my dad told me short hair might be a better idea for you than long hair, so you're taken more seriously. Like the amount of shifting. So it's kind of like that that's the mentality and and that's me as a somewhat privileged white woman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There is that is a whole nother story when we're talking about women of color. Um so I that's and, and men of color. And men yeah, of color, thank right. you very much. True. True. Absolutely. So it's it's I think that sometimes we get too in our camps about I can't believe you would say that or you know, and that's not where how I feel at all. It's more about do we see all those things? Yeah. yeah. Well and I just, I don't want to leave Sean hanging out to dry here. Right. Um, I do. I'm more than happy to him doing that. Um, And I'd have to go back and read. Are you rescuing me? (laughs) This is the first time this has ever happened, right? Hero energy? Um, No, I mean, I just, uh, again, I'd have to go back and read your piece, but I didn't, I, I don't imagine that you were making the case for what about us? No, for sure. I think it was a more of a statement on how did we get here so that we have to celebrate, you know, the lack of men versus the, the the proliferation of people of color and women. Yes. Right. I mean, as people will hear when they listen to our episode with Kareth, when we, when we publish it, I mean, we talked about, she's a DEI consultant and we talked about the fact that she's a black woman who is insistent about including white men in the conversation Mm. in DEI because like, how do you, how do you do it? without everybody involved in the conversation. So to your point, and it's about getting those men to think about things differently, exactly. not to be leaving them out. Exactly. And and I and just one other thing about the reaction to that headline. It's you mentioned I have two daughters, I also have a son. For Jack to see that headline that says, Okay, everybody's celebrating white guys being out. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a younger man or or a teenage boy and you're seeing, you know, the proliferation of that kind of language Hopefully you have somebody that can guide you and say, okay, you know, you can think about this differently. Right. But if you don't, you're looking at saying, who am I? Right. And, and why, and why, you know, how am I supposed to adapt to this? So we think about it in terms of a 60 year old guy. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But a 15 year old boy. Yeah. How does he look at things like that? Yeah. And how does he adapt to that when it's like, well. Well, and it, to be clear, like I'm 51 and I have enjoyed so much privilege, I'll call it. And I, when I was growing up, it was in the 70s and the 80s. And there was job security. There's all these things that was built in for me to succeed. We now know that 15-year-old boys are living in a different world than I was back in 1988 when I was 15. Mm-hmm. So I do appreciate your point because, you know, the, sta- the stats are the stats. And, you know, job, employment, women are more independent. Women can be more selective over who they're going to partner with, all these different things. And that was not like that. So I do appreciate your point that as a middle-aged white man, it's one thing. But as a cisgender white man who was born in 2005, that's, it's, a, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm comparing apples and oranges, I think. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I could even take it off of this thing, this article you know, that Sean wrote and just, just talk about why 
maybe a headline that like that gets written or why women have the responses they do. I was doing a, uh, a talk with men and we were talking about emotional labor and, um, and it was going okay. Um, I know there's a few people who never came back again, so I know that, that it didn't go great. Um, but what, you know, I would explain things like, um, you know, in the morning it's a struggle. And if the, and, and I was using a very general thing, if the socks aren't put together, then that causes a domino effect of the kid doesn't have socks. And then we have to figure that out. And then they don't want to wear those because they're dirty. And, and it just creates this thing where, um, traditionally, generally, not always, but women are putting those things together and doing those things behind the scenes. And, and that's a lot of energy. And, one of the men and another man agreed. He said, well, just stop doing that and let the kids figure it out themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just stop doing these things you're doing and maybe we could work this out. And it's such a, oh, I get so tired of those kind of like, and that's not the only time that's happened because there's all sorts of, the, and so why women, I, I'm telling that story not for, not just because of that story, but women have responses when 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 men are like, but Um, you know, how is this affecting other people or how, you know, getting concerned about something maybe that hasn't happened yet. And we're having experiences every day where we're not seen for what we're actually doing and how we're showing up and doing extra work sometimes or emotional work that sometimes isn't seen as making the world go round. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, and, and I know I'm not saying this because I believe it, but Many people believe women are second-class citizens. I mean, right? Like, we are. We don't have the same rights as you could do. I mean, we don't even have an equal rights amendment, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So have there been shifts? Of course. And do and are more women going to college? Of course. So there's, like, these little statistical things, but we are still, there's a culture. And, again, I'm going to focus on um, Barbie for a second. There's this great, and I, I'm not going to give it away or, or read it, but this great you know, monologue that America Ferrara does in the movie about women's experiences in the world, that they have to be this, but they can't be this, and they have to be this, and they can't be this. I think you guys could probably do a similar speech about what men can and can't be. Mm -hmm. So I totally see that. But it's this, we live in this culture of paradox where we, and so whenever a man says, but what about me in any way? There's this kind of trauma response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying it's justified mm-hmm. all the time. I'm mm-hmm. saying it comes out of this like, what? You know, like, and Todd gets it from me. I mean, he, this, he and I have this conversation where he'll say, but you know, this and this. And I'm like, excuse me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it comes from a very deep old place. It is. It's a trauma response. Do you guys have these conversations with your significant others at all? Or is it not? Top of mind. Do you act like you don't know my wife? Yeah. No <laughs> or your uh, kids. Yeah. Or my kids. Yeah. I mean, all the time. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think that this is where the heart of this this conversation is lies. It's around the conversation. And a lot of times when it's made into like this either or thing or this adversarial thing, so it's like out with the white men. Um, we spoke to a guest named Chuka. Can't remember Chuka's last yeah. name, but he he's done a lot of research on incels. Have you ever heard that oh, term? Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. No, a lot you know about that. It. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, involuntary celibates, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that sort of positioning. And and, and look, one of my favorite songs is a Jason Isbell song called "Relatively Easy." Mm-hmm. And there's a great line because our kind has had it relatively easy, i.e., white men. We fucking have it. 
Are we? Do you cuss? No, I got to no. keep not yeah, really stamping it. Like, yeah. You guys are killing me. Oh, God. You should try it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but <laughs> I mean, we don't want that e that explicit. <laughs> yes. And parents don't listen to it. Right. But I mean, the way the conversation <laughs> is gone is that um, it That's was. It. We're I, not getting back. It required. <laughs> it required a little bit of bravery for Sean to even write that piece because sure. it's so easy to get shot down uh-huh. when all you might be really saying is, "Is this the best way for us to facilitate this conversation?" Right. 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 Because, you know, you, you might lead to you're not going to get the support of the people on the other side, the quote unquote other side, when you pin each other against one another the way that that type of headline does. Mm-hmm. And the response that that comes up, I think, is the there's a, a feeling of walking on eggshells with language where as and again, I'm speaking, I'm this old woman here when women kn- Typically, people don't walk on eggshells around us. There's like a, I'm going to say what I want to say. Sorry, I'm going to call you that. I'm going to use that word. You know, you know, it, there's a, obviously, it's more intense now where people are more thoughtful about their language. But again, it, you know, like you said, Chris, it's not that that's always the way it is. I think it's shifting. But that's why women respond that way. Because we've been in meetings. I used to be the only woman in meetings in my first job, you know, in my 20s. And nobody cared that I was there and said lots of awful things about women and I had to kind of just take it. Mm -hmm. And so then when men are like, but that's not really nice or that doesn't feel good. It's like, well, dude, and I'm not saying that's okay. That's why this conversation is good. It's not me saying, so you guys take it. Mm -hmm. It's about saying that's why people respond that way. Mm -hmm. So you guys, um, and you could probably tell me many life stories where you're like, that's not true at all. But there, there is a feeling, I think, among women of you guys haven't had the experiences we've had. And so it's almost like, you know, we have to almost exhaust all of our stories so you guys understand that we've walked through a different world. The story that Todd and I tell all the time on this the podcast, but it just is a good generalization, is how often Todd has thought I'm neurotic, Okay, in many different ways. You don't need to lock the car. You don't need to lock the house. Don't so, worry so about it. Oh, so dumb. <laughs> I know. And he's just like he kind of like early in our relationship would roll my, his eyes. I'm at me. less dumb than I I've used done. To be. I've done some of that. Yes, too, I'm pretty sure. I'd be like, now when you came in, did you lock the door? He's like. You don't need to worry yeah. about it. I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. because I think I do with three girls in the house because you know what? I have been chased and I have been attacked and I, you know, like it's this mentality. Now he gets it. But that the the, the belief that women are neurotic versus life experience. And, and obviously we hear this of, you know, when we're talking about diversity, when we're talking, you know, people of color stories about life experience. You're telling me that this isn't happening, but this is happening. So it's it's I think this conversation is less about Sean, you know, Sean's article and more about how we have these conversations so we understand where everybody's coming from because everybody has a story and everybody has had experiences of not being seen, heard, valued. Mm. Well, and I, I, you know, I think partly too around this whole idea of, so what we're doing, I think, at Men Living is partially we're bringing guys together so that they can connect with other men. But for me anyways, if they're not, if they're not gaining, you know, be, by being more emotional and more open and more engaged, not going out into the world and doing that with other people, right. um, uh, which is, a, you know, it's almost like fighting against the conditioning almost mm-hmm. is, is kind of what we're doing. A re, a, not maybe not a reconditioning, but if that's not happening, it's only half the job. Right. I mean, as far as far as I'm concerned, anyways, well, I right? Think, yeah. I, mean, I, I think some of the spaces we create, there's wonderful guys that are breaking down in the middle of a meeting and 
tapping into their emotions and then they'll go home and act the same way like why are you even coming here yeah. it's not going to what if you go to a church you know take yoga off the mat i mean all these ideas mm-hmm. that we learn in these spiritual places i'll call them if you're not taking it outside of the 60 minute um church or the 60 minute yoga session or the 60 minute men's group meeting then it's 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 less than half the battle like great you're here but how are you going to carry this forward and the people who most want us men to be more mature are women i mean there's no doubt about it it's not it's not for us it's for all of us because if the if the world gets more impactfully um if we evolve as a human species it we have to evolve more quickly as a collective group of men yeah but that doesn't happen with one 60 minute men living meeting or one therapy session right Right. so i mean i think that the i think that the real gold that comes out of any man or woman of any color asking for help is that they're willing to work at something and and get better at like i used to talk about men living retreats is i'd come back from those men living retreats and i'd be a better husband and a better dad for six weeks Mm -hmm. and then I'd revert back. And with each year that six weeks went longer and longer. I would like to get Manisha to attest to that. (laughs) What that it lasted six weeks. She checks her calendar. Six weeks is arbitrary. I was just trying to give an example. Six hours. Um, But six hours is better than zero hours. Right. And so the the fact that people are increasingly, hopefully uh, willing to ask for help um, and willing to work on themselves is, is a, that's a win. It's a win. So, so I have this cra- crazy theory. I'll just throw it, throw it out there. That because we've been here a nanosecond, right? As as human beings, and and uh, men were able to angle themselves to to establish the patriarchy and be in control, but it didn't last very long because we're not we're not as smart. We're really not stronger than women, right. and now it's going backwards. It's like and so it's like, and now it's going to be hard to say. Well, wait, don't forget us. Can you help? I, I think it's going the other way, and that's why it's gone the other way. And so now, how do we, how do we keep up? Mm-hmm. It's correcting. It's no, no doubt about it. It's yeah. correcting, right? Yeah. I used to. There was this one woman that I saw at a conference a long time ago, and I love what she said. And it's that we've been like a bird flapping with one wing, and that you know that's obviously yeah. patriarchal, yeah. you know, con, you know, conditioning, and and that when we're just trying to spread the other wing so we can fly more mm-hmm. balanced. And the, the the problem where we are right now is that I agree that there ha- we're seeing some shifts, even though we're also seeing some steps back. I mean, it's it's very hard for me to have this conversation without talking about Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Like, it is such right. a – you know, you're talking about impact on people's psyche. Right. The impact, you know, when we're talking about, you know, girls who are young who are seeing things, the impact on the psyche of a girl who's getting her rights taken away, somebody who is saying to her, you must do this – you don't have control over your body is so significant. So I, it just pops into my head every conversation we have. I can't. I have to just lay that out on the table. Um, but you know, when we're trying to spread this other wing to balance things out, the unfortunate thing is, is, is that not just men, all people, it becomes fear based, mm-hmm. right? Where will I be? I need to hold my position of power. What will this look like? Where I think women. Um, 
have more experience of. And when I say shape shifting, I don't mean becoming fake. I mean accommodating a culture mm-hmm. that is not seeing them. So they're like, okay, where do I fit then? How do I do this? How do I change my voice? How do I change my clothes? Where you guys aren't as used to that. And and so the fear, so incels are a good example, you know, of like, you know, going inside, having dark getting negative violence um and i'm not claiming that all incels are violent it but there is a, a tendency of hatred mm-hmm. is don't don't you guys feel yeah. like that's by definition yes. yeah yeah um what was i gonna say um yeah i think my biggest problem is i compare like let's say you have a 15 year old boy and a 15 year old girl and i still think without it's not even close that it's harder to be a 15 year old girl. And that's me being um, a co-founder of a men's organization saying sometimes it's tough being a guy. And I think my problem is I'm always being like, yeah, there's, you know, if you're a 15 year old boy, there's less jobs and, you know, our brain develops slower and all these things. But if you compare from my perspective, if I compare that to the journey of a typical 15 year old girl, like, I'll be a man every single time because I think my path is easier than it is a woman. I don't know if that's true, but that's my bias. It, but it's all relative, right? Like, I think we get ourselves into trouble where, like, it's, it's hard to be a girl and it's not hard to be a boy. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. It's harder to be a girl. It's harder to be a woman. It's harder to be a person of color. It's harder to be in the LGBTQ community um, than it is to be me. Mm-hmm. Um, and ho- hopefully, you know, you'll never hear me do a woe is me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't, I think that when the conversation, and this happens a lot with social media and the news, when you have a sensationalized headline that doesn't even mention women or people of color, right. who we should be celebrating, whom we should be celebrating. Sorry, Manisha. Um, <laughs> um, I, again, you're not, not only you're not doing them a service, but you're creating this environment of tension. Of tension. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, so I, yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Sean, but there's, there's a division being created by that headline. And you're like, why are we dividing? Why can't we all be in it? So, yeah. yep. You want me to say more? Sure. No, I, no I, I was joking because you were looking at me like I was going to have something. <laughs> I mean, I, the, the, the thing about this conversation is that everybody is dealing with their own history and past and their own fears. And for mm-hmm. as like whenever the reason I have certain responses to you, Todd, like you, you just told me something that a man said to you the other day and I had a really strong response to it. I think it was something about um, Pride Month or something. I don't remember. You said that, you know, there was some oh, man yeah, yeah, saying yeah. why. No, I was talking the- to a friend of mine and I think he knew at the time I had have a daughter who's gay and he's like, I'm all for it, but the fact that we have to celebrate for 30 days that somebody decides to love somebody of the same gender, um, and we have two days to honor the military veteran uh, veterans out there, Memorial Day and Veterans Day, they're like, it's out of whack. Like, we're spending way too much attention on the LGBTQ community and not nearly as much attention on veterans who have given up their lives for this country. That was his proposition. I Once again, I am finding myself in these discussions where I can hold the space, try to look at it from his perspective. I'm sure he probably has a, a relative who died because he or she fought for this country. And at this, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm not feeling your, your vibe. So, Well, and my big strong reaction to that is the month of June is not about every day celebrating something. It's about education. It's about 
it's about, you know, seeing people. It's about um, the ability to engage with a community that a lot of people are unwilling to engage with. It's about, you know, being, what's the word I'm looking for, guys? Like being, you know, um, I'll just say it again, being seen. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with February, with Black History Month. It's not, well, you know, when people are like, well, I don't get every day to focus on me. And obviously, as we say, every day is about you. This is a month where we are educating. And when it comes to, and again, traditionally, when it comes to veterans, I totally understand, you know, that the VA hospitals don't do well and that there's not enough benefits. Like I see all of that stuff that people are fighting for, but there is also a reverence in our, um, Chris is actually a, you know, former military member. Like there's a lot of reverence for that. You get to, you know, these are silly things, but you get to board a flight early. You get people stand up for you at a football game or at a graduation. People love veterans, even mm-hmm. if we don't show it mm-hmm. in our legislation, yeah. which we should. But when it comes to the LGBTQ community or any other community that we're trying to highlight, Disability Month, it's education. Mm-hmm. And that's the misinformation is someone's like, well, why do they be celebrated? I want to be celebrated mm-hmm. more. And it's it's so, to me, it's like this tiny shift of, are we open to learning more? Because yeah. even that comment is un, uneducated. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I don't mean IQ. I mean, like, that's not what it's for. Yeah. So I have very strong reactions sometimes, and sometimes I need to chill out yeah. and be like, that's coming from my own, you know, especially when it's about women, men, LGBTQ. I just get very um, frustrated. Mm-hmm. But then I, when I'm actually with people, no one's trying to... You guys, the amount of people that we all associate in our lives, and Todd and I get to have these, you know, international communities with Team Zen and everything... I just think everyone's really great. I don't run into these things I see on TikTok. Do you know what I mean? When people are like yelling at each other in stores. Self-selection. Well, and and that's, and I have seen, obviously as a therapist, I hear bad, 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 bad stories too. It's not, there are things, it's both, but I think most people are trying their best with, even if they don't have as much as everybody should have. It's kind of like I'm just trying to flip the view of I don't go out in the world and think everybody sucks, yeah. you know? And I think a lot of us are really afraid of the world. But, you know, I also live a different experience than a lot of people. So it's there's it's, it's a very um, messy conversation, which I love messy conversations. Well, and I think that's all I... That's all I really want to do at this point is to be in a conversation with somebody whom I can disagree with and not judge the person right. across from me. Right. And I think what happens behind the safety of a phone or seeing somebody on CNN or Fox, that it's just, it's, you can't cultivate that without being in proximity with the person, like live talking to them. Yeah. So I just want to continue to cultivate conversations with people of whom I disagree with, because I think that that is a, um, it's a sacred place. You know, I'm doing a, a discussion, um, on the podcast, the witch trials of JK Rowling in a few weeks. And, you know, it's very divisive and I'm kind of nervous probably because my wife said that you think I'm crazy for doing this. Well, I, I think that's strong. I just said, are you sure you, you ready to do this? Yeah, the answer is no, but I'm going to do okay. it anyways. All right. Um, and so anyways, if you're interested, that'll be in the show notes. If somebody wants to listen to that podcast and have a discussion because, um, the right has demonized JK Rowling and the left has demonized JK Rowling. And it, it gave me, uh, an opportunity to kind of look at things a little bit differently. 
Yeah. Well, and one of the things we talk about a lot in, in these kinds of conversations, if you don't come into them curious, right. it gets really difficult to have that kind of conversation. Even if you know you're with someone who who is not where you're at. If, if I, for me, anyways, if I can get curious about their position, why they might be where they're coming from, you know, at least there's a little bit of connection. But so this is this is the segue. So yeah. um, this is the pop culture segue. Mm-hmm. So uh, you guys know, I think that my next tattoo, which is only my second tattoo, because I'm not going to start getting tattoos unless they they're meaningful. Mm-hmm. For a long time, it's been be curious, not judgmental, mm-hmm. which I first discovered via Ted Lasso. Yeah. Of course, yeah. But there's now a competitor. <laughs> And it comes from the show The Bear. Every second counts. No, I like that one too. I think it came from The Bear. It's simply listen better. Mm. Right? Mm. So, because I mean, that's not, uh, it's not going to be artistic, but it's a, I think of a tattoo as a reminder. Like, Mm. what, what, what's my, where's my cheat sheet? And I can look down at my arm and be like, just. <laughs> on your arm, though, you know where it's going to be. Like right there. No, oh, so you could just remind yourself. He's yeah. in a conversation. Yeah. Chris is like, looks down at his arm. Because so. if it's on your, because if it's on your chest, or you know, you have, you have to think or on your back, like full back tattoo. Like neck. <laughs> so out of the last seven days, how many times do you think that you listen really poorly? Like, is it every day? And and I don't even know where I'm going with this question, but I think we all need to listen better. And I'm just curious to see how you grade yourself at listening. Oh, well, this has been sort of a mantra of mine for a long time. Back in my old organization, we uh, we all worked on a thing called our equity stance, and it was basically a journal. And, and, and in various coaching relationships, I've been asked to challenge myself to think about what you can do to interrupt the patterns that are the most least helpful patterns that we assume. And and one of them has always been to like pause, listen, empathize before you speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's it's a work in progress. I think over the last five years, um, I've gotten a lot better at it, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully we'll continue to get better at so, it. So what makes you a better listener? What do you what do you do to make yourself better? Well, it's funny because Todd, for as, almost as long as I've known him, he talks about how much time he spends in his head versus his heart. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're in your head all the time and you're thinking about what you're going to say or or how you would react to whatever the other person is saying, it is you're not listening. Mm-hmm. You're simply not listening, right? So um, it also requires a level of patience because I'm always wanting to race to solution. I'm like, well, the longer you talk. <laughs> The further we are from this solving, I've got to do. I think about that a lot with you, Todd. Um, <laughs> so just like being patient, breathing, empathizing. And I mean, it, it just sums up well with like, listen better. I've, I've been you, getting a lot of that. We had breakfast twice this weekend. Um mm-hmm. We with two brunches. Two brunches. Saturday and Sunday. I love brunch. And when my family gets going on talking, like it's really hard to find a space to insert whatever it is that I want to say. And um, there's a few moments where I'm like, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to just keep on listening. And what I was about to say wasn't really that important anyways. But I just find it sometimes like, guys, like how about a pause? And it's really um, because... I have some active conversational people in my family my and children. I'm not even looking at you. I'm thinking oh, of, I'm, I'm very active. Of course you are, but I'm thinking of our kids. Shocker. I know, right? I'm I mean, thinking of our three daughters too. And I'm like, they can really like, I, 
I need to like be very strategic on when I yeah. want to interrupt because I'm like waiting for that pause and I'm I, it, sometimes I'm waiting for like 15 minutes. I'm like whatever. I, I have one suggestion. <laughs> what is it? Instead of coming in with um, with uh, like, well, here's my experience with that or or this is what I think about it. To just to stay engaged is to say, when was that experience mm-hmm. or what? So instead of coming in with new information. You stay engaged by asking another question. Like if one of the girls tells a story and then they're like, yeah, and then this happened and this happened for you to be actually curious and be like, what year did that happen? Like, I feel like when someone just backs away from the conversation completely, it can actually now, again, we can handle it, but it can be uncomfortable for everybody else because Mm -hmm. then they feel the need to like pull you in in some like inorganic way. And I sometimes I'm like, I'm out of here, even though I'm still sitting there. He's like, I'll take your food. I'll take your food. I'll just start eating. So the four ladies are rejecting you. Yes, <laughs> really, basically what it is. All the, the one guy, time. they're already like, we don't That's need, right. we is, don't need this, anything from him. This is why he started Men's Living. <laughs> I love it. He's like, so can I go off on what Chris said well, about? Before we do that, I just need to. So, um, hold on, I'm just gonna. Everybody knows what this is, right? This is one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs, by the way. I love yeah, this me song. Too. I knew it was Taylor Swift. <laughs> You did not know? No, I did, of course. Oh. Yeah. What do you mean, of course? I just don't know the song. Shame on you. Right. Um, you know who she is, though, right? <laughs> I, I love when she sings with Bon Iver and uh, oh, Chris yeah. Stapleton. Yeah. Those yeah. are two of my favorites. Oh, yeah. um, I, I play that just because I want to play it 10 minutes ago and I didn't get a chance. But um, it's, uh, what was I going to say about this uh, Be a Man? I don't even remember. No, no one's listening. Nobody, <laughs> Nobody cares. Well, oh, I remember. We're at the, we're at the concert, and, right? And Taylor, we're at, we're there in Denver, and Taylor she did this really wonderful production to this song. Like Correct. it's really impactful and meaningful. And um, she's like, you know, for the guys out there in this audience, this is not for you because you if know, you're here, you're, you're very here. emotionally intelligent. That's Which, what she said. And I even thought in my head, I'm like, there's. I don't know, there's 50,000 people in the stadium, say 5,000 of them were men. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing there's quite a few of those 5,000 that are not emotionally. Well, involved. she's being loving toward her audience. She's being lovingly mm-hmm. yeah. towards mm-hmm. her audience. Obviously, yeah. she's not going to know everybody who's there. Right. <laughs> but is it, it's an indicator, right? Like, yeah, if, if you're somebody's coming, willing to go to Taylor yeah. Swift concert, uh, it's an indicator that you're probably not an incel. Well, that's the self-selection thing that I referred to earlier when Kathy was like, all these Zen you know, parenting folks are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I got the same reaction when my family went down to the Brandy Carlisle Festival, Girls Just Wanna, which is predominantly uh, lesbian, right? Yeah. And uh, I think it was Brandy or one of the artists gave a shout out to all, all the guys who showed up um, because, I mean, it's important that we show up, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's just because you love that song. Yeah. Yeah. And, and can I, I want to add something to what you said, Chris, about the, you know, because you're right, like I, when I'm talking about the people I get to associate with, but don't you guys feel, this is not just me, but when I go to Target or when I go to the grocery store or when I'm like out help, you know, you're helping someone on there, it, it's not just the people I associate with. I feel like people are nice. Like I don't run in to a lot of people and maybe it's because of the way I'm beginning a conversation or that I don't need anything from that person or I'm not hurrying them along. But even the people that I just don't run into those situations very much. Couldn't agree more. And I, and my guess would be that because you're engaging them in a a wonderful way that it's, if you're going to the grocery store, you're going to Starbucks. Yeah. It's likely that many people they see are they're going to be complaining, right? And you're just saying, "How's your day?" Yeah. Right. And so you're you're starting that connection in a great way. Right. I would agree. I think when that happens, 
for the most part, people are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's sometimes people, it's people I don't know at all. And I'm yeah. like, I can't believe that, you know, some of the things again, that I just see on TikTok or whatever, where people are like, I mean, you record people and there's all these awful things. And I know they happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not me saying that doesn't happen. Like I know the world again, cause my clients are telling me what's happening to them. Yeah. So it's not like blinders. It's just, there is another way we can do this. Yeah. That's kind of the, Absolutely. that's kind of the thing. Um, but one more thing I wanted to say to Chris, because he said about, and then this. I'm going to switch it to a different topic. Sure. That's fine. Um, I had to do something for a woman who was putting out a book and she said, can you just like give one tip to parents? Like, you know, it's one, it was like a virtual summit thing. And the thing that I was like, what, what tip could I give to parents? And it's just to know less. So like listen better and know less. Mm. Yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah. Because that's be curious, right? Be, right, be Don't curious. Don't assume that you know all the answers. Mm. Exactly. And that's it's so funny with uh language when it comes to, you know, this kind of work that we do because be curious has almost become mundane, right? People are like, "Yeah, I know, be curious." And it's like, "No, no, really know yeah. less." Yeah. You yeah. know? I, can I share a yeah. quick story mm-hmm. in response to that? So I feel like the older I get uh, and the more success I have, which is not a lot, um, but the more I'm able to successfully navigate life, yeah. the more inclined I am to think that I don't need help, mm, yeah. right? And 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 this happened to me recently in, in a, a relatively new job where I'm like, I went through a, a couple of months where I made a series of mistakes, yeah. um, wasn't living up to my own expectations of myself, wasn't living up to my boss's expectations. And for the first time in my life, I'm like, I'm going to pay someone to coach me nice um and i'm 53 years old so um it it felt it felt hard at first um but it's like therapy too it's like just go just go get a second set of ears someone to listen to you um someone to validate you Mm -hmm. and then someone to like help you see things that you may not be able to see challenge you a little bit Mm -hmm. and you're going you're going to go take golf lessons so it's like and i'm taking my first golf lesson on saturday let's yeah so to sean's point you're 53 and in 2023 you are doing uh something for the first time in two different areas of your life so i think that is a sign of being less certain and being less egoic. So I think that is helpful, right? Did, did you see me hit the golf ball last week? Well, did I have any reason to be certain about straight. anything? Yeah. <laughs> it was, We're it, proud of you. It was Thank a little you. ugly. Yeah. Um, okay, so another item I think we disagree on. How's that for us? <laughs> here, we go. Wow. here we go. Here we go. Dig and in. I think I'm the most in, uh, so it's about frameworks. Okay. Right? Oh, <laughs> and I love frameworks. Sweetie, I think you're kind of, with me, but not as much. And I think, and I don't want to misjudge uh, Sean and Chris, so they'll speak for themselves, but I just wrote down on top of my head frameworks that I use to navigate my world. 15 Commitments to Conscious Leadership, 7 Habits Highly Effective People, 4 Male Archetypes, the Enneagrams, um, Lufu, which is something Gaddis oh, taught Jesus. about how to listen. So I find these unbelievably valuable yeah. in how I navigate my world. Yeah. Um, sweetie, where are you in your relationship to frameworks? And then I want to hear these two clowns. Uh, so, uh, I think that they're out there so people can understand themselves better. It's not about ever engaging with a framework where you're like, this is the way life is. I've had, um, you know, I've gone down that path before, as I've talked about a lot, I've had a lot of cultish experiences where I've engaged with frameworks where I could not bust out of it, where now I don't see them as um, limiting to my life, They're the way that we get language to discuss life. So something like the Enneagram, um, I, the reason I appreciate it 
is because it's a conversation that you and I can have about the differences in how we experience, we run a business together. My thing as, as somebody who identifies as a two, it's very relationship-based. I'm not focusing on the financials. I'm focusing on how do we feel? How does, how are we connecting? Where you are as a three, you're more ambitious. You're more worried about the finances. I don't walk around saying it's because he's a three and he's a Taurus and he's like, I'm not, it's, it's just, it helps us see each other as having uh, similar mm-hmm. interests, but coming from a different direction. Yeah. So it's like, I'm, it's a very porous system. Does that, I don't know if that word works, but it's, I like them, but I also don't think of them as identity. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's a tool. And and as a therapist, as or as a teacher, like I teach college students, I have to have frameworks right. to teach college students. Like you have to have something. I can't just teach them generalization all the time. And and we've been doing Zen parenting for over thirteen years. Do we have a framework? No. I mean, self-awareness. Well, you should get one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, connection. It'd be way better <laughs> yeah. if you had a framework. Connection, mindfulness, <laughs> self-awareness, and um, and. Um, Compassion. And would you categorize that as if I, I don't think of that? No, as a I framework. call those the grounding forces. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, all right, what do you guys say? Yeah. Well, to be clear, I, I'm not anti framework, I'm anti proliferation of frameworks. Okay. I like how many frameworks. Speaking of golf, there's that old golf joke I've shared with you guys before where it's like two buddies are out playing and every shot for the first 12 holes one guy hits. He's like, oh, I looked up. Oh, my right elbow was out. Oh, I got ahead of it. Oh, it was too quick. This and that. And by the 13th hole, his buddy looks at him. He goes, I think I figured out your problem. You suck. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, Because if you're trying to, it's and like the golf swing, if you're trying to think of all these things at once and if you're trying to think, oh, well, I'm a two on the Enneagram and, and oh, um, you know, I should do the SWOT analysis and you know whatever else. KJB or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My yeah, my Myers Briggs is this. Yeah. An INFP. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, I just think that sometimes we can get in our own way. Yeah. And so, and by the way, you know, people. I mean, this happens. I, you know, I went to business school. I mean, the, the yeah. proliferation of frameworks is nowhere greater than that. Yeah. Um, and so, a lot of times, you've got all these frameworks that are created to monetize, you know, intellectual property and, but they're also redundant and duplicative. And, you know, now you got people trying to use your framework with the one that you copied from, but put a different acronym around it. Mm. So that's my position. Mm. I'm not as anti-framework as you think. Okay. Sean? Um, I I think I've run into a lot of people who use it as their identity. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so when someone's like, well, I'm a two, and that means this is how I'm going to be, and, right. and or my Myers Briggs is this. And it's like, oh, okay, you don't have to be any of that. And so they're they're bringing that identity thing, and that's so frameworks, labels. Yeah, you know, people want to say, okay, this is my label, this is my identity. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my job that I did for forty years, that's my identity, and I yeah. can't let that go. Well, you're more you're more than that. Yeah. It's only one thing. So it's 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 more the connection to the framework as defining who they are. Yeah, so and, whenever and, anybody identifies with a framework, you're like, you just lost me because you're so much more than any label identity framework that you could be. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be my take. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes those frameworks become cheats, right? They, they keep people from being curious because mm-hmm. they're yep. like, oh, I need a framework because I need to be able to pinpoint where I am on the qu- quadrant I'm in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? And so suddenly they stop thinking creatively or introspectively or and their self-awareness yeah. goes down because they're too, right? Yeah. The critical yes. thinking ends. And I, you know, I think that 
I have kind of always looked at um, self-help or just personal growth or whatever. Again, we always need new words because they start to like, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I look at it as cycles. And there are – and it's funny because you can come right back around. Like even in the yoga world, you know, like when I first, you know, got into yoga – you know, I went from just being like a student where I'm like, I'm doing this pose, I'm doing this pose. Then you get into yoga and you're like, no, this has a name. This has a purpose. Mm -hmm. Now say it in Sanskrit. Now only say it in Sanskrit. Now blend. And you have to, you're like developing this identity. And then my favorite part of yoga was when I was able to let all of that go. Mm -hmm. And occasionally Mm -hmm. I would say it something in Sanskrit, but that was because I chose it and it wasn't because someone was telling me to. And I would say, and so things go in cycles where I think it depends on where you meet someone like if someone has felt really in you know growing up that they were overly sensitive or didn't connect with the world and all of a sudden they realize they're Mm Myers-Briggs you know and they're like oh wait this is a thing like I there are other people like me or someone who is you know we talk a lot about diagnosis with kids and the necessity of it and also the limiting you know parts Mm -hmm. of it Mm -hmm. but sometimes when you get the diagnosis initially you're like Thank goodness I know what to call this. Mm-hmm. And then you spend your life kind of figuring out how that works or doesn't work for you. Yeah. So I think, Sean, to you, I struggle with this too. This is interesting. Todd, I think he's, you guys, he may be getting on your case about frameworks, but I'm on his case about frameworks because mm. he's always, you know, he's always saying back to me, is this below the line or above the line? And I'm like, I'm just here. I'm not on a line. I don't see a line. Um, and so I'm, but I also understand the necessity of it. It's like, I do appreciate knowing because I didn't, I felt like I had to be an extrovert and do all these things. And when I realized who I was, I was like, oh, I can settle into this and I don't feel alone. Well, I, you know, I, I've told your husband as we've talked a lot about frameworks that, you know, he, he brings out the next set of frameworks or the next set of tools. And, and occasionally I'll ask him, what's yours? I mean, mm-hmm. who, who, who are mm-hmm. you in amongst all these different right. tools? Yeah. And you like to have multiple tools, but there's something amalgamation of all that mm-hmm. is you. Yeah. Uh, right. I think it's the ones point. that speak most to me, Todd, go ahead and make uh, your own up it, yeah. instead of just jump on somebody else's yeah. idea of what something And it's is. not to say that maybe that one is the best one for you. Yeah. But sometimes I think there's something there that is just yours yeah. and, and whether you're willing to, right. To have it be yours or not right. is kind of well, up to you. I think where I come out is I feel like, um, frameworks, are, are like I, the way I explain money. Money is not good or bad. It's neutral. It just depends on what energy you give to it. And I kind of feel the same thing about frameworks. Like, and I probably overvalue them at the expense of my own curiosity or at the expense of coming up with my own. Um, and then I think there's other times where they do have value. Um, so I think that's where I come out. Well, and I think that something a lot of times, um, this doesn't happen as much, but therapists will say, you know, what kind of, how do you do therapy? Are you a gestalt therapist? Are you, do you use CBT? Do you, be, do you use DBT? And I'm like, I don't know anymore. I, I know all those frameworks. You want me to tell you what they are? But when I'm with someone, I'm very focused on that person. And then there's this humanness that comes forward that is based in education. But it's kind of like all of those words fade away. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you as a coach, Todd, I feel, from what you've been telling me lately, is you're starting to experience oh, yeah. that a lot more. Well, or- I, I, I needed to learn it by the letter. Yeah. So, you know, and that's what I was taught, like learn it really well so you can just Let it break it up yeah. and make it your own. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting to that point where I can 
you know, like, oh, this would be good. I was just down with somebody last week. We did not go through the traditional way we start, but there was a moment where I'm like, this is where he needs to go, and this is the tool I'm going to pull out within this larger framework that'll help him. So, and that just comes with experience. I'm just the more I do it, the better I get at it. Um, so, I want to do the last section on your guys' podcast, and if you have any questions for us on our podcast, but I just want to list a few of the people that you guys have interviewed that I kind of highlighted that were kind of important to me um the my favorite podcast you guys have ever done is when you interviewed matthew quick will you guys explain who that guy is matthew quick uh found us or his publisher found us uh he is the author of the novel silver linings playbook about which a movie was made or a movie was made um based on that novel and he recently wrote a new novel called uh we are the lights which deals with some um, some topics like uh, mental health, um, uh, mass shooting, um, and I think Sean and I both loved the movie, um, or sorry, loved the book, had already loved Silver Linings Playbook, and then when we met him, I felt like a fanboy, because mm-hmm. he was so engaging, um, and so interesting, and so smart, and obviously such a great communicator, so mm-hmm. uh, I think we talked, I think Matthew and we stayed on the line for an hour and a half that yeah. night. yeah. Do you have fond memories of uh, that interview? Oh, outsta- outstanding! I mean, it's, he he ended up sending us, which I I brought the other night, uh, all nine of his novels oh, to wow. read. Uh, I'm I'm halfway through, and they're outstanding. And I follow his newsletter now. He does a mm. Substack newsletter. Mm. Um, just a very thoughtful guy. Um, uh, he's in recovery mm. um, mm-hmm. from alcohol and drugs, and uh, just yeah, just a wonderful man. A, a few other names I highlighted was Dave Dunn, who was um, some type of expert on anorexia. Um, that was an interesting one. Uh, Jim Dethmer, who's one of my mentors, Alexa James, and then Billy Baker was an early one. Mm-hmm. And Billy Baker is some newspaper writer, but he ended up going on a New Kids on the Block cruise. Is that what happened? Yeah. <laughs> well, he ended up doing a piece on men, male relationships, yeah. friend, friend relationships. And one of the things he wanted to explore was, okay, how do women do this? And so he decided to go on the, uh, in sync, or not in sync, on New Kids on the Block. And it was just all women in him. Um, <laughs> and John, is it? Um, Oh, one, one of the members. One of the members. Why are you looking at me? Up, How would I know? I, don't I was know. hoping Kathy Jonathan was going to go. Knight. John Knight. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan Knight. <laughs> I'll tell you, I know who they are. Jonathan, don't Jonathan, look at this guy. Jonathan Knight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were doing the show. Lives up the street from him. And so you know, oh. we were giving him... We were, I was, we were giving him a hard time about the fact that, well, do you go up there and like tell him that you're on the cruise? Um, so, no, he's a lot of fun. He writes for the Boston Globe. Yeah. And he wrote the book. And I, I would say the theme, I mean, you guys interview a whole bunch of different types of people, but a lot of it is about male relationships. If there's a secondary theme to if you've come this far podcast, what would it be? I can tell you because we have a CRM. Um, what does that mean? Uh, client relationship. Is that a framework? It's that a framework that, that you should think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned Alexa James. She was even earlier than Billy Baker, I yeah. think. And Alexa is a friend of all of ours. Yeah. Uh, Alexa is the executive director at NAMI Chicago. And um, I don't know if she was the first one that, that was focused primarily on mental health, but I think uh, yeah. almost half of our guests are in some way yeah. doing mm-hmm. work in life to address the mental health challenges mm-hmm. that seem to be 
you know, yeah. everywhere these days. Well, yeah. two things about that. First of all, you didn't mention yourself. You've been on the show twice. That's right. And uh, and actually, the one we did um, on Father Father uh, Himes on Father Himes was was really good, uh, I think. And uh, Alexa is the number one listen to podcast of by ours. like two times right yeah. so that might get to you a yes little bit. Yeah. well we'll see maybe yeah. we could do some some specific promotion <laughs> right. for that well you know what i was just thinking is i know there's a lot of people who listen to zen parenting we, we typically we have a much more female audience than male mm-hmm. but there are men who listen and a lot of times they don't want to jump into men living because they don't they like todd but they're like i don't know what this is yeah. but starting by listening to your podcast may be a really good place to like know first of all know the two of you um, but also realize the things, the discuss, the things that are interesting to men living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, our, our, the one we're going to post this week is um, Tonya Rivers, who started a podcast in a company called Women in Const- or Moms in Construction, Mothers in Construction. Mothers in construction. Um, wonderful woman, smart as hell, and uh, just bringing attention to women nice. in the construction industry. So I don't know. Are we half and half. Men and women? No. Not quite. No. Not no. quite. No? Um, but we have some women. I, I have the list. We have, we have women in the can. For ready sure. To get produced. For yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, a few others. Uh, Polly Bernstein. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Bernstein, Bernstein, Bernstein I think. Bernstein. 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 Yeah. He just had a really interesting take on his attitude towards recovery. Yeah. Um, he's a, um, an addict and no longer is uh, somebody who practices any type of addiction. But his take was 12-step is great for some people, but that's not the only way to get sober. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. And I thought yeah. it was really interesting. He works as an addiction counselor now. Yeah. Yeah, in Ohio. Um, and then uh, your buddy, Dr. John Sherman, was impactful enough on your podcast that you brought him into your uh, speech I when did. you were uh, doing a speech for your daughter at her wedding. Yeah. And what was the thing that he said that you thought was interesting? Uh, that so he's a psychotherapist and a, a couples counselor, and that he he often talks to his uh, couples, uh, the couples that he's counseling. The first time he talks about the absurdity of marriage. Um, so yeah, I brought that up at my daughter's wedding, mm-hmm. um, the absurdity of marriage, and I and and what we talk about with him is he's using humor to try to disarm and talk about okay, think about what we do as we get into a marriage and how and our expectations and what we're told it's going to be. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was, I just thought it was a great, mm-hmm. a great line. Yeah. So Sherm's, Sherm's yeah. a good interview. It was a great interview. And marriage yeah. is just hard and parenting is hard. And yeah. so if we don't just acknowledge that at the outset, uh, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment, if not failure, right? Yeah. Um, before we turn it around, do you have any other questions for these two guys? I wanted to go back to the new kids on the block thing oh, because right. the question yeah, yeah, let's was, get to the let's get to this. let's get to this. Uh, his brother Jordan Knight is also in New Kids on the Block. The the you this guy went to this um, thing for New Kids on the Block to figure out what women do. And it's funny, I Backstreet Boys do a cruise that I've tried to get Todd to do with me, and yeah, he will go see them yeah, with no. me, but he's like, that's just a line too no, far. Yeah. But I think what women do well, and I'm going to speak generally, I always have to like frame this as like, this is not every woman, but typically women do a good job of making sure that they make relationships a priority. So they will schedule annual trips they will schedule biannual trips they will make sure that they have lunches on the books they will make sure that and they often build it around things like that Mm -hmm. like their history you know like we love new kids on the block is you know so let's go do that again Mm -hmm. and it's not because they really it's not because it's their favorite 
band, it's because that's a it's a common place that they can all meet. Mm-hmm. You know, that would always happen with the Zen Parenting Conference too. You know, like people would be like, This is our annual event. And I think men do a good job at that. I know Chris, you do that a lot with men in your lives. I know Todd does, Sean, mm-hmm. you may as well. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be gender specific, but I think that that is some. I think women are really skilled in that area. Well, and I, as I think about, like, you just had a weekend with your buddies, yeah. and yeah. it was. I'm, I haven't even talked to you yet, but I'm guess plenty of drinks, watching baseball, mm-hmm. and then you go golfing with certain buddies quite often, and then you did that boating thing. That was kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, my buddies and I sailed the North Channel up in uh, Lake Huron. Um, we chartered a boat. It was um, one of the great weeks of my life. Yeah. But, um, and we're, hopefully we'll do that again, although we're all getting older. But do you think we're exceptions, the fact that us three guys do that? And is it more common for women in their 50s and 60s to do that than men? I agree with Kathy. I mean, I think women are generally better at that. Um, there's also this thing that happens as you get older where it's like you get more and more friends. And if you're not careful, you know, you overcommit and, you know... I think you have to just prioritizing is is the key, right? Mm -hmm. Can't say yes to everything. Right. Any questions that you guys have uh, for Kathy and I regarding Mm -hmm. Zen Parenting Radio? Yeah, I I got I got one. Um, So, Todd, I think you were our first guest on. If you've come this far, yes. I tried to pull up episode one of Zen. I (laughs) I couldn't find it. I also remember hearing you say on a podcast that after like the first three or five, I forget what you said. If it had been up to you, you would have yeah, yeah. bagged the whole thing. Well, not bagged it, but I would have run out of things to share. So we are on podcast 700 and whatever I said, 723. And for about 713 of those 723, it's me asking Kathy a question is, is what do you got for tomorrow's show? <laughs> because for me, I'm like, I got nothing. Empty. Zero. Nothing going on up here. It's not true. Um, I'm much better at riffing than creating an initiative. Playing the baby sounds? Yes. The baby crying Yeah, sounds. you're you're like Stearns. Who's Stearns? <laughs> <laughs> part of um, me thinks we should get some of those, and part of me thinks no. Sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes like no. four seconds, by the way. <laughs> um, can I, I have one more thing? Oh, go ahead. No, Sean. go ahead. Yeah, because your first one was so <laughs> interesting. Well, I want to go back and hear one through three. That was the whole point of my question. Like, are the, Did you guys like archive those so that no one can hear? Because you know Todd what? Was, it used you, to be on such a different format because we've been doing this for 13 years. And so like the we used to use a completely different uh, – like we had a different producer because now Todd's Todd's been our producer for 10 of the 13 years. But so everything – and it was so old. Like iTunes doesn't carry – iTunes only carries is like the last 250. Yeah. So yeah. I'm pretty sure you can go back to episode one, but you have to go through our website and listen to mm-hmm. it on it through the website, not oh, wow. on any podcast catcher. And uh. it was in, I, at the time we were working with a group that was like, you should do, I don't know if you guys know this, but when we first started, um, the people who were kind of mentoring us and they were very helpful in some ways, but they really wanted us to fight. Mm-hmm. That was like their oh, thing. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yep. They're like, you got to build some tension. You got to fight. It's got to be you against him. And I, I'm like, I'm not going to fight with you. Like, I'm, first you're, of all, you're like, first of all, we never fight. We never, ever <laughs> disagree about anything. Well, and that's what's funny is we disagree about so much, Todd and I. I used to say in the early days, like, let's save this for the show. Like, let's have this. 
discussion oh, yeah. Yeah. on the podcast. And Kathy's like, F that. No way. That's not, it's not for public consumption. I will talk about anything once we've like worked through it and I'll talk about all the emotion. It's not about that we perfected something. It's just, it's too raw. Mm. Like I'm not going to share that with people because then what other people say about it will affect me because I haven't cleared it in myself. And again, yeah. I know I'm losing, using clinical language, but it's like, I'll bring something once I'm settled because we do get emails from people and they will say this, but I've already, I, I'm like, I totally get your point, but this is how I experienced yeah. it. But we, we obviously didn't fight, but we don't agree. No. Like we definitely have disagreements. Two human beings aren't supposed to agree all the time. So 723 episodes. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to break news today necessarily, but how much longer do you think you'll do this? Is there any chance you're like, oh, I had a thousand, we're done? No. I don't think so. I think we might have to relabel it Zen Grandparenting Radio <laughs> eventually. Uh, but I don't know. I, I was just talking to somebody and they're like, how hard is it to have these discussions? I'm like, we're going to have them anyways. We just do it in front of microphones. I mean... It's so no end in sight. And that doesn't even count the amount of Zen talks we've done. We've done 170 right. Zen talks. So if you count that, 170 plus 720, we're getting close to 1,000. Yeah. Well, just even where, you, where you're going in the growth of Team Zen and what you've done with Circle and all the rest, I mean, you're, that's real, relatively new. So yeah. you're just really yeah. investing in that aspect of Yeah. Yeah, this doesn't, and and maybe you guys can relate to this as podcasters, this doesn't feel like work to me. So I don't even think about this as like a job. This is a, we, uh, we committed to this years and years ago where we don't even think about, you know how there's some things you're like, oh, I don't have time this week. That's not, we always have time. And we have such an inherent advantage to other podcasters in my judgment. You guys live live in two different houses and there's, you know, I think uh, Duffy has all his podcasts and it's hard to coordinate with someone else's schedule with somebody else's schedule and i happen to be married to somebody who always has something interesting to share mm-hmm. um so you know we're about to record another one and i think we have like eight words written down on a piece <laughs> of paper and we're going to talk about it for an hour so. right, right yeah it's but and also can i the other thing and again i know todd was joking about listeners and everything but please don't get me wrong i obviously want people to listen to this show and i hope it continues to grow like we've stayed We've stayed pretty solid in the world of podcasting when it comes to parenting. But the goal is for it's not about let's do this and then we'll get more listeners. Because obviously, if we did more interviews, that's what grows your base. Yeah. And I that's not super. Int- Sometimes it is like I like having you guys here. Like I like doing the things where this is like a fun conversation, but to just push other people's books and that kind of thing. That mm-hmm. doesn't, that's not fun to me. I get bored. Yeah. If I'm going to be bored, um, I think the listener is going to be bored. So I only want to have people on that are really interesting to me. And I know we always kind of make fun of each other because that's guy language, but you two are two of the most important men in my life. And yeah. I was totally excited to sit down with you guys. And yeah. that's, you know, sorry to plug men living, but there's so many lonely guys out there. And we make it so easy for guys to connect with other guys. We have nine different meetings every single week. We have all these different connecting platforms. It's unbelievable. So if there's a man out there, if there's somebody out there listening that knows a man that would love to you know, lean into some type of connection, I, I don't know if we can make it any easier for them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, and, the, and just the other thing I want to say about the podcast, Zen Parenting Radio, is talking to people about it, it's like, don't be fooled by the parenting. And I know there's a lot of parents that, right. that you have, but mm-hmm. I but I just like to remind them, hey, give it a listen and don't don't be no. it's 
the parenting part of it is it's not a parenting podcast it's not a parenting right. at all. <laughs> right. right that was no. a hook I, yeah yeah and yeah. and it was not a, to you know to trick people as much as i don't think parenting is parenting either no, right. i think it's just relating to and it's been what's fun about it is you know when we started this i think jc was like 10 and now she's 20 or you no know, even longer she was eight, yeah she seven. was younger and and now we've been able to because a lot of people would say to us when our kids were little oh you guys will say this now but wait until they're this age wait until they're this age i'm i'm like it's not about that we don't have problems we have just as many problems as everybody else it's about it's about staying connected to your kids and having a relationship with them. That's all I've ever wanted to talk about. And I think people fear that if they do that when their kids are eight or nine, then they'll lose authority or Mm -hmm. they won't have... And it's like you actually gain it and not over them, but you, you continue. Cause now I have two adult daughters right. and so they can choose whether or yep. not to be in relationship. Yes. Right. Yep. And, and they choose, we like being together because they have always felt like they could be themselves mm-hmm. in the house. But that's when your kids are little, we got a lot of pushback. Like you guys don't know what you're talking about yet. You know I, what I mean? Yeah. I, I, you know, I think it's a great, so Lisa's birthday is tomorrow and she's like, well, the girls, we usually do a dinner and she's yeah. like, well, the girls don't want to have to come out. It's a because ha- both right. Katie and Busy are in the city. It's a hassle to come from the city. They want to come out. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, if they're willing to go, go through that right. hell of a traffic to come out and be with you. Yeah. I like, yeah, let's not fight it. Well, happy birthday to Lisa, even though this isn't going to run until August. Right. And by the way, someone else has a birthday coming up. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. 52, baby. 52. Right. Just getting better and better. Such a Leo. Yeah, such, such a, a Leo. Leo. <laughs> number two Leo, I am the INFP Well, and to reinforce that point of frameworks, um, when Kathy was just talking, it reminded me of Dan Siegel's framework of parenting. And we want our kids to be safe, mm-hmm. seen, soothed, and secure. And if we could do those four things, then you're in a it's it's not absolute, but Odds are you're going to be in relationship with a human being as long as you're as long as you're both alive and and it's a positive relationship. Yeah. Instead of us trying to discipline and teach our kids and trying to model and mold them in a certain way, if they feel safe, seen, soothed, and secured, then then odds are they're going to be productive human beings that like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's my two cents. Yeah. It's neurologically sound for them to yeah. have those things. Yeah. No doubt. Um, parting thoughts. Anybody? The geyser. Well, I I love the work that all three of you guys do. I really appreciate it. I honor all three of you as human beings apart from men living. I love all of you as human beings. And then when you come together and you do good work, it's really inspiring. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining. Yeah, I I just want to say, I mean, we we were planning to do this soon after the article came out in March and we couldn't we couldn't we we couldn't we couldn't get together. I was very excited that we were going to do this. So I'm I'm glad we I'm glad. Is this where we announce that we're going to do this every other week? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that we're all partnered up now. (laughs) Well, let's be clear. The reason it took us as long as it did is because of Chris. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) No doubt. We've been ready. No doubt. It's Losher's fault. It's totally Losher's fault. There's no doubt about it. He's always like, no, I gotta yeah. go do yeah. stuff. <laughs> what a jerk. Todd, Todd wrote and said, hey, anyone up for pickleball after the podcast? I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Do you not work? Yeah, seriously. Pickleball is work, man. Um, Alright, so calls to action. Subscribe to If You've Come This Far. If you're listening to If You've Come This Far, subscribe to Zen Parenting. Wait, tell them why you named it that. 
Oh, yeah. That's a good pop culture thing. You did it. You did it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's named after uh, a line in one of my favorite movies, Shawshank Redemption. So at the end, Red's reading the letter that Andy Dufresne left him upon his release from jail. And he says, if you've come this far, maybe you're willing to come a little further. <sighs> Which kind of encapsulates kind of what we're trying to do here. Yeah, so right. if people come on the show, you know, while you're here, you might as well Keep talk going. about what we're ever going to yeah. ask you. Did you guys? Go deep. My guess is you have not listened to the pop culturing that Kathy and I did on Shawshank. But one thing I learned in researching that movie was the movie was supposed to end with Red on the bus. I did. did I did listen that? to that episode. Yeah. And Thank gosh. They did Thank test, God it didn't. They did oh. test audiences and said, "You got to give us more." And then they filmed the part of Red walking on the beach. Oh. That's the other thing that's got to be Goosebumps. said since we're here. Your knowledge of pop culture is <laughs> is freakish. It's almost. True. I mean, it's like. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's, right? a, it's like a sickness. It's, right? it's an illness. No, it's we have true. to tell you guys this. This is kind of funny. Todd and I had a date Saturday night. What do we do on a date? We do 80s trivia. Yeah. So Todd was <laughs> throwing all these trivia questions. And then he gave me, you know, again, I know it's not PC, but it was the Cosby show. You know, who are the Huxtable children in order of their age? So I'm like rattling them oh off. Oh, my God. And he's like, no. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean, no? Yeah. And he's like, no, it's not right. The card doesn't say that. And the card was wrong. Boom. Come the on. card was Boom. wrong. And it wow. wasn't just wrong once. Like it got like one of the five in the correct yeah, order. They and it, they had the right names, but none of them were in the right order. I'm like, I know this for a fact. And then there was another one. They had you add things like, you know, how many Ghostbusters plus, you know, how many whatever. And the answer, if you add them together, it was like eight. And yeah. they had eleven. Yeah, it was like six was, plus three equals eleven. Like, and it literally said six plus three equals eleven. We're like, <laughs> what is happening when you start to? To know better than the cart, we kept saying the answer is moops. Yes, have you guys seen that Seinfeld? No, these no. no. clueless. No. Okay. <laughs> we got nothing. Nothing. The uh, answer is moops. All right, so that's that's the last thing I wanted to say. I love I love that those conversations. Um, we gotta we just gotta play that. Okay. Okay. This is it's the Bubble Boy. So this is a Seinfeld where George and what's George's girlfriend's name? Susan. Susan. Susan is playing Trivia Pursuit with this kid who lives in a bubble. Yeah, the, they, it's called the Bubble Boy episode. This is for the gang. How you doing over there? Not too good. <laughs> All right, Bubble Boy. Let's just play. Who invaded Spain in the 8th century? That's a joke. The Moors. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry, it's the moops. The correct answer is the moops. Moops? Let me see that. That's not moops, you jerk. It's moors. It's a misprint. I'm sorry, the card says moops. <laughs> we were pulling a little bit. The answer is moops. Um, all right, let me do the outro music so we can officially close this thing. Um, all right, guys, keep trucking. Thanks for joining us. Um, see you next time on Zen Parenting. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. 
And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.